Hi, guys. Welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm super excited about today's guest. Her name is Gabrielle Judge. She's an entrepreneur, investor, and the founder and CEO of Anti-Work Girl Boss. Anti-Work Girl Boss, if you haven't known but you should know about, it's a social movement that represents the next generation of workplace with a focus on trust and authenticity between employers and their employees, which is very, very necessary right now. So Gabrielle began her journey of employee rebranding to capture the next generation's best talent and promote better working conditions for motivated workers and is currently raising funds for her AI model that better rates job posting. So thank you so much for coming on. I've been watching you for a while. Also super stoked about the AI stuff and all the things you're doing, which we're going to get into this episode. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. I, I've been watching you for a little bit. I really liked the corporate quitter. I think I met you more when you had like your corporate quitter website up and you used to have that like, should I quit my job survey? And I remember I took it and it was like, and it was like, maybe you should. And I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I think I did it like two months <laughs> later. And I thought of you during that. I was like, I should, I should tell her that I just did it anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you said that because I get a lot of people who do, they do second like or third time. They try yeah. to like, like, like mess with the algorithm to make it so that they quit their job. And isn't it funny that how that happens? You're like, can you just admit you want to quit and not have yeah. a quiz, like tell you what to do? But it's such a millennial like gens. It's just the thing where we're like, no, but if a quiz told me or the astrology chart says mm -hmm. like then I have to do it but do <laughs> whatever yeah you know. exactly it's like no a BuzzFeed article told me and I totally resonated with it yeah I mean I can't say that I haven't done that so exactly. <laughs> maybe that's a me problem but so can you give us a little bit of background like how'd you become the anti-work girl boss and like at corporate quitter essentially right so you quit I think you said you quit this year so what led you up to being a quitter and how far in advance were you building out this platform yeah, so I started in the tech industry in 2019. That's when I graduated college. And so it was very much like a, a dream job situation. I, I got that job like before Thanksgiving break senior year. So it was very much like the American dream. Everyone was super excited. I was totally using my major and my job. And then what happened very quickly is, well, one, 2020 happened, right? So that was like super rough for anyone involved in a corporate job or just outside of it, right? So that was already really rough. I got a no on, on performance raises like everyone did, you know, and it was it was really crazy because I was like, why are we doing a performance review then? Got burnt out. And then I, I was stuck in that rut of like, oh, well, if I just get through today, tomorrow may be better. You know, and I kept doing that at yeah. that job. And so what happened was like I got a concussion. And so that made me like really think about everything for two months. And it was like, I really want to do this what I'm doing right now. I just had no words for it yet or strategy. So that's what inspired me to get like my lazy girl job. Just didn't have a cutesy marketing term for it yet. And then I ran into the same thing where like a year came came by and they were like, we don't have any budgets for raises, um, but let's do a performance review. And I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not doing this again. I'm just not. So that's kind of what inspired me to start doing this full time. Yeah. So why specifically anti-work versus like, I don't know, any other avenue, right? Because I think content creation, the beautiful thing is you have like so many avenues to choose, right? You can do fashion, beauty, you can do tech. Like why specifically anti-work? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So. I've always done exactly what I do right now. So I've always had like lots of different jobs going on or different projects or side hustles or something like that. And I felt like I had to really hide that, especially when I went into like the corporate world of things because I didn't want judgment or I was afraid of like, what if I'm the first person on the chopping block with layoffs that they know that I have like other stuff going on? I felt like it was just kind of this weird taboo thing. And I was like, I really want to normalize this when I want to stop glorifying this like whole corporate ladder thing. Like, yes, it's there and it's an option, but why aren't we looking at the beauty of the internet and like what we can do and like monetizing our own hobbies or like not monetizing it if you're just like fucking I just really like yoga outside of work like 
why can't that be a part of your story too instead of spending 10 hours a day at a job you don't like? Yeah, it's interesting how the corporate model really demonizes you doing things outside of work, especially if it doesn't have to do with building skills associated with that job. Mm -hmm. When it's like, we are human beings who have things that we enjoy outside of work. And also, I, I always viewed it as like, oh, I'm doing community service. It just so happens that it's in the form of a personal brand online. But it definitely, I worked in asset management and they were like, oh, hell no. Like, that's a no-no. You cannot do anything outside of work unless it's specifically like through a nonprofit or something. Like, it was a no. It was it was bad. They're like, this is bad for a brand. Like, absolutely not. Yeah, which is, I mean, obviously I wasn't talking about quitting corporate at the time. It was other things. But thankfully, I'm like, okay, well, it drove me to the point of insanity of like, fuck this. I'm going to do this. But so going back to like anti-work and stuff, like, what do you think is the future of work? Because I think a lot of people right now, they're kind of scared with the world. Like it's it's a scary time. Things are really expensive. People can't afford homes. They're like, how can I even think about quitting and doing something else or changing the way I work when like it feels difficult to just exist? Yeah. So I, I, I do think that the corporations that are kind of stuck in their own corporation mindset, I don't think that there's a lot of change that we can really make, right? Like I can't really go to Amazon and tell them about work-life balance. Like that's probably not going to happen. But what I do think will be a huge switch is is the businesses that are still forward thinking will look at the next generation of talent, which is obviously Gen Z and, and soon to be Gen Alpha, like they'll be in high school very soon. So it's like looking at all of that and actually being being interested in adapting to these new requests that we have. Right. So looking, I kind of I like to bucket these requests into what I call like anti-work essentially, but it's a pretty jarring word. It's really not about like not working or anything like that. But an example would be like four day work weeks or freelancing or taking a sabbatical or taking a career gap or job hopping, like these things that are a little bit more taboo in the traditional sense. I think that those will become more normalized, especially as millennials enter more leadership roles. I think it's just going to be a no brainer. So I do have hope for that, at least I do think because I get a lot of increase too from different employers, you know, chief of HR and stuff. And they're like, how can we incorporate this stuff into our employee branding to attract Gen Z talent, which I think is great. So I'm not, I don't try to sit here and, and try to bash every single employer and, and try to sell this like doomsday. I do think that there will be some really great ad- adaptions, but I think it's going to look like that. And then I look at to this crisis of unnecessary work that we're all sitting in. I know that there's been some really crazy data on disengagement of employees recently. It's crazy. It's like so something bad. like, I don't know, 50, 80 percent. Like it's like it's like skyrocketing. Like people are very, very unhappy at their jobs right now. Yeah. And so I think that once we get over this hump of like nobody wants to work and like that rhetoric, I think when we get over that, I, I do think that there will be a little bit more collaborative conversations. One that I'm seeing is like either turning things into a four day work week that should the roles that should be right, like cutting out unnecessary work, cutting out unnecessary meetings just because it's not doing anything for anyone. There's like this glorification of this false sense of productivity all the time and in the jobs that we have. And it's just super gross. It's like we call it a nine to five, but it's like really like an eight to six with no lunch. And also you didn't factor in like checking your emails on Saturday morning, checking your emails Sunday night when you have Sunday scaries. Like it's not a nine to five anymore. So I think that there will be a type of revolution where it's like you can't ask for every single hour of my day and also not pay me correctly. So you have to choose to a certain extent. I think that there will be more negotiation down the line. It's also interesting, too, because the more that I do research on these things, like four-day work weeks, the more you find data to prove that it's actually, it makes more money and it makes people more productive. So it's like, what's, is it just the boomers at the top who are just really annoyed that they didn't get the luxury of working four-day work weeks? Or is it actually talk about productivity and money? Because if it's about generating profits, 
Like you can't lie with data. There's statistics that actually say people working less actually makes them more productive, thus making companies more money. So it's like, what what are we what are we really fighting about here? But can you actually going back to what you said about lazy girl jobs, like what is a lazy girl job? Because I think another thing that too that happens, especially with millennials and Gen Zs, which is so aggravating, is this concept of like, we don't want to work. And like, I don't know about you. I love working. I love being productive. I love Me being too. fulfilled. I love working towards a mission. Like that's just I'm a naturally ambitious person. And obviously you are too. But the concept of not wanting to work to me and the finger pointing is wild because like I just want a livable wage. That's what most people do. But, you know, for for a lazy girl job, what does it actually entail? Yeah, I mean, obviously the lazy girl job, like those three words together were very intentional and it was a way to kind of make fun of the hustle culture itself. But really looking at it, it's more of a mindset. I think a lot of times media or certain people that just see my content for the first time and they think there's a specific list of lazy girl jobs out there. I try a lot to try to curate a list for people because I know a lot of my community thrives on that type of like direction. But it's really not a job. Like even if you want to call, I think some news outlet recently said social media manager is the top lazy girl job, which I was like, it's absolutely not. Oh, my God. No, it's not. It is the worst. I mean, it's not the worst. Sorry, I should take that back. But like. People don't get like what you need to put in to be a social media manager, let alone be a creator. But I mean, yeah. to each their own. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I'm like, are they just a social media manager? Or did you also quite hire them to be a graphic designer and also like a marketing associate and like all these crazy things? So it's like, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But anyways, it's like I, I think people trying to put this into like this one little box that, that they can attack. But it's much more of a mindset. It's like prioritizing work-life balance or not prioritizing it all the time, at least understanding that that's an option, right? So if you want to turn that hustle switch on every once in a while, that's totally cool. But also recognizing like you're not a machine. You don't have to do that 24-7 to earn your keep, quote unquote, with an employer, you know, or looking at things of like decentering the nine to five from your life is what I say a lot. And, and I don't mean like flip your boss off in your one-on-one and like close your laptop. Like that's totally not what I'm talking about. It's just much more about like, okay, if you're an account manager at this startup, and you do that about 30 hours a week, really meaningful work. Like what else do you do in your day that that you value, right? And and encouraging a lot more exploration and curiosity that way as well. I, I wish that I embraced more hobbies like I do now when I was in corporate because I definitely would have been happier not just focusing on like yeah. the job making me the one and only component that makes me interesting and like fulfills me in life. But it took me until I left corporate to actually stir up the creativity and stuff that yeah. I, I just didn't have access to working a crazy job. But I also for like people who want to, how do you find a lazy girl job or like what constitutes a lazy girl job? Is there like specific things in a job posting that's like, oh, that's a lazy girl job? Or is it more specifically, like you said, it's not necessarily like roles. So is there anything that people should look out for? Yeah. So for me, that it's it's flexible. So I know that remote jobs are a lot harder to find these days, but at least uh, some type of hybrid role. Um, we are just not meant to devote our entire commute and then our entire day and our entire commute back. Like, I don't know if you saw Brielle go like super, super viral recently on like that big rant that she did where she was like, I can't believe like this is how much my day goes into at work. And she like totally got berated for that. Um, but like, it's really true. And I think that we just find a way to tolerate that over time, which is really weird. Um, so anyways, that another idea of it too, is, is making sure that it actually for real pays your bills. It's not like, oh, if I just like stop doing my entire life and just cover my rent, then I'm good. Like, no, like that's not, that's not a full-time job then. Like you shouldn't be giving full of your time to that. 
So it's it's stuff like that, right? So and there's a lot of like culture questions that I try to provide with my community a lot too. Of like describe, like give me an example of like a champion employee from this role, so you can understand exactly what they're looking for. But it's really up to every single person because what I find with my community is like someone who owns, someone who like opens up their own therapy practice, they find that their lazy girl, lazy girl job, whereas someone else would never find that, right? Because they have to do their own admin and they have like they're running a business. But then there's other people where it's like, I'm a data analyst. I do this, you know, 30 hours a week for a big tech company and like I freaking love it and I can do whatever I want outside of this. So it's like, it's all up for interpretation too. So I try not to give this like one like box of what it should be because if I do that, then I think people don't understand that there's more work beyond just getting the lazy girl job. Because if you don't yeah. hold your boundaries, it very much turns into not a lazy girl job over time. I didn't realize how much the phrase lazy girl job actually was implicitly more of a mindset than it actually was a physical job. Because what you're basically saying is like, it's less people pleasing, less over delivering, like less skirting around your boundaries to appease that of a, an employer, but also yourself. If you choose to be, you know, self-employed, that could still be a lazy girl job if it works best for your schedule and, and your creativity and whatever it is. But I, I hadn't thought about that, but I really, really like that. So for now, let me ask you, is your creator job, is that your lazy girl job, what you're currently doing? When it comes to like my own mindset, I would say yes, but I also wouldn't like anoint it and also put a stamp on it that like this is a good lazy girl job for everyone else. Like it's a, it's a huge task and like you understand being a content creator too. <laughs> but I, what I always say with like hustle culture, culture like if you want to turn that hustle switch on, you you totally are allowed to do that do that whenever you want like i'm totally not again i think any purpose or any i don't know any impact that you want to make in the world like ought to come with like some some work right like i don't think a lot of that comes overnight so i'm not trying to like sell this dream of like oh i just work like two hours a day and like i'm on the cover of wall street journal like i don't know how that happens like i know how that happened like it was two years of like a lot of work and i try yeah. not to like sell this dream so for me i yeah it's like I have a lot of work-life balance. I work exactly when I want to. I say no to exactly what I want to all the time. Um, There's certain days where it does really suck and I do feel a little bit overwhelmed as well. And, you know, I sleep in when I can and that's how I do it. Yeah, it definitely is. As we've talked about prior, like being a creator, it has peaks and it has valleys. Like it's sometimes really exciting and also really like, I don't want to say terrible because we chose this, but like it can be really, really hard, both from like the, like mentally, emotionally, financially, it comes with its challenges, just like being a business owner in any other regard. Yeah, because I think with being a content creator, people don't understand how many roles that you're actually holding. And so even if I do want to delegate them away, it's either hiring freelancers or hiring agencies, which turns into another layer of risk. And it's a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, it's like we're we're our own project managers, right? Like think about like the membership that you're launching right now. Like you were probably when you before you were doing the waitlist, it's like you're building the 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 content and trying to like do the tech stack for all of it too, and also trying to market it and create content posts around it. It's like you're holding like so many different roles in your head all day that I don't think a lot of people understand. I will say it's the greatest teacher though. Like I feel yeah. like what I learned in the past three years being an entrepreneur and a creator is more than I learned as a decade in corporate yes. and probably even most of my high school. Like I mean, sure that was the basics of stuff, but like. I like I absorb things and I learn things so, so quickly. And it's also really cool to see like how capable you actually are. Like I I think corporate kind of puts you in a box. Well, they, we know corporate puts you in a box, but like 
it's super cool to see, oh, like I, I can figure this thing out or like, oh, they, this person said I couldn't do this. And like you kind of get to prove them wrong in like a petty little way. But um, for you, like what were some of the hurdles for being a creator that you didn't anticipate? Hmm. I was doing it. I try to be really careful with this, too, because I don't want to come off unauthentically but I this was a side hustle prior to like fully doing this full time so I don't want to say like oh I just like left my job and scaled this tax amount of dollars this year in nine months like it was totally there was a ramp up period to it but I would say like the biggest thing is that with more success I get a lot of yeses around me which is super exciting but there there ought to be a lot of no's and so it's really it's really important for the people that are very close in my circle to actually say no to me sometimes because like it's not it's not efficient, right? If everyone just keeps going like, yeah, you should launch that too, Gab. And like, Gab, that would be so cool. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't work that way. And I just actually like spread myself very thin. Um, even if I if, if I want to do something, if I have the, the time to do it, I can still say no is something that I had to learn too, where it's just like, there's just so much that I can do in a day. I just can't do it all. I was super scared about being canceled. I got canceled like a year and a half ago or so for Wait, just what? kind of, yeah. For what? What could so, they cancel you for? Come on. Okay. So it was like, I I think that there's a lot of virtue signaling in corporate America, and I totally didn't use the right content format to, like, actually discuss this correctly. So it was very open for interpretation. And so I said that I think that there's a lot of pandering when it comes to corporations attaching to diversity hiring. Typically, sometimes what would happen with me is, like, because I come from the tech industry, like, it's male-dominated, and they would be like, you know, it's a room full of like white men, right? Which is fine. But then they'd go like, oh yeah, we have like one woman here. And it's like the receptionist. And you're like, cool, dude. Like, yeah. I didn't know you were so into diversity hiring. That's so cool. You know, so it's like <laughs> stuff like that. So I was like making fun of that, right? And it obviously was like a very sensitive topic. And so it got like really rough. I was still working at my job and they we went all the way up to headquarters. Shit. And so, yeah, they didn't fire me just because I, I'm not affiliated with I wasn't affiliated with the employer. You just couldn't really, like, figure out where I worked. And so they were, like, totally fine with it. I also didn't say anything bad, but that was, like, the weirdest part that I had to get, like, an all clear from them. I was like, I didn't ever say anything bad. But anyway, so, like, that was probably one of my biggest fears. And then, like, that happened. And I was like, I survived that, right? So there was, like, all these, like, rites of passage that I went through while this was still a side hustle that I felt, like, pretty confident about it. But I would say, like, the biggest struggles I have is, like, today is really not saying yes to everything like there's just there's so much that I can say yes to and I don't get anything done when I do that yeah and but the other I can understand too the frustration because you being an ambitious person and like you have so much that you want to do and like time is of the essence and like it and not for nothing people need it like people need to know about work-life balance and people pleasing and setting boundaries like it's something that is so highly needed right now and I'm sure to you it almost feels like a stab in the gut when you're like oh wait no I actually have to wait to do this even though I know people need it now but like it's like okay chicken or the egg like do we choose this or do we choose like it can be really hard at times but Sam I didn't realize you went through the cancel thing it almost set you up perfectly for this because you're like oh if I could survive this amongst all these other things like I got this like this is no problem like that for some people that I've spoken to that is their biggest fear is like either becoming a meme or getting canceled so that's good for engagement honestly so it's not that i'm really yeah not that i'm suggesting it as a business plan but it is good for engagement so it's like it's the hardest part too i think is just like you start to realize angry people and how angry they can get and how much information they can get about you 
So that actually really inspired me to like really protect my information and what goes out there. So I think that was super important. That was before I had like the following that I had too. So I think it really propelled me to do this like very safely. But yeah, and it's like going back to to like everything that I'm going to say yes to, because of course, yeah, like I have all these ideas and like you totally get that too. And especially like when you are taking care of your creativity and you're in that flow, you're like, I have to get this out to like everyone. Like this is what it's for is like trying to do that. But it's like, it would be awfully embarrassing if the lazy girl job girl was like spread thin and and burnt out, you know? So if I could try to like hold all these like values that I have for myself so that I'm not showing up as like a mess to people, but I mean too. And I know that people understand that. My first year doing this definitely wasn't holding the values that I should have. Well, okay. I was, but I also was holding a lot of resentment and anger from my corporate experience that I hadn't yet processed. Like I never actually fully let myself get over the quitter hangover, as I call it, mm-hmm. and like process all that. And so it definitely showed up online in certain ways. Like I look at old videos and I'm like, oh my God, girl, like you can even see in your body language, you're so angry, but it's like, it's whatever. We've, we've passed it. We went through our healing journey, right? Yeah. And had the fame peak and then was able to like came back down and plateaued, which it was great. I got to reset my nervous system and set new boundaries and create new business models and it was cool but also like yeah it's it's playing the tiktok viral game is can be really rough it's like it's not actually as glamorous as it seems no like i always want to say to people too that want to go viral it's like talk to me the first time that you go viral and you understand the overstimulation that happens with the notifications and like how you can watch like tens of thousands of people say whatever they want to you and like you don't have to read those comments like it's none of your business at the same time too but it's just a, maintaining vir- virality, I think, is much harder than than the one-off getting it, in my opinion. Yeah. And then also the addiction of continually getting the dopamine hit of going viral. Like, that yeah. has been a really hard thing for me to do of, like, wait a minute, followers and virality does not actually equal dollars. And also, like, this is unhealthy. It's like a drug. So you need to you need to check yourself. And that's been... I can. Yeah, it's it's a battle that I'm probably always going to face just because it is so exciting to meet new people and expand and things like that. But that's part of the journey. So, well, because it's so fun, too, right? Because it's like, oh, my God, I don't have to do the inner work on myself and give myself compliments. Like I can just go on TikTok and make really pretty, nice videos. And then like everyone tells me how awesome my ideas are. Like it's so easy to get like tapped into that where it's like, I really have to balance like I'm here to serve my community if if I want to continue this journey like and that is a part of it and also like I get to have like my own boundaries with that too but I really try when I'm like out in this world like outside beyond just like being the anti-work girl boss like I'm not the anti-work girl boss like I don't come in and be like hey y'all like welcome to TikTok like I try to be a a human as much as I can if I don't get recognized because I think that's super important too to like walk away from stuff I think that's super important I think it's super important to just think of it as a hat right and you just take that hat off. Yeah. I like to think of it as like you are someone within the company that's just selling a product in this case. Right. Like it could be like a podcast. Right. You're just like a manager and said entity that's doing all these different things like versus it being you, even though you are the spokesperson, you're just like a little community manager or something. But I I think one of the hard things is like being transparent and vulnerable is so great. And like being authentic is so great. But then when you get dragged for that, it's even worse. Like a lot of the reason why my content does well is because I literally dish it all out, mm-hmm. which even is I have to set boundaries with my own self around that because I love to share openly. But then it leaves for like ridicule and people judging certain scenarios. And it just it's an interesting. It's an interesting place to be. I wouldn't change it for anything. I would still choose this career, but it's just very interesting world to be in. You can't please everyone. Yeah. So you had mentioned 
you know, like doing the inner work and stuff like that. And we had talked about like human design and things like that and gene keys. So like how much of you doing this journey has required, like if you were to put paint a picture of like, or like, let's say an, a pie chart, how much of it is actual physical business tedious in the nitty gritty work? And how much of it do you think is like mindset, like understanding yourself, like having those deep, dark conversations, shadow work type thing? I think mindset honestly is like 80% of it. Even like time spent, like I, I spend so much time actually working on my mindset because I do believe that four to six hours of meaningful work consistently is a lot better than ignoring all the demons in your head and trying to make it work 14 hours a day. Like I, I watch a lot of entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and you can just tell that they're like, they just hate what they're doing, but they're just trying and you can just tell in their content and stuff. And it's like, yo, like you actually don't need to like hustle that hard. Sometimes it has to just come from within and that small little mindset shift from actually with human design, what profile line are you? You give like five one or like five two. I'm a I think I'm a four six. You're a four six. OK, interesting. Yeah, it's I like really the regal five. authority, I think. OK, I could see that, too. I could see that, too. Fives are normally very good at like spilling the tea and like opening up the top off but that's I could totally actually see that too for me I'm a six two so that's role model hermit so really it's like I'm not supposed to show up all the time I'm supposed to show up when I become an expert in something and I usually have like a very natural like sense of like respect that I cultivate from people and so if I'm not like in my flow with that it creeps me out like if I go into a meeting and people are like nervous to talk to me I'm like oh they must hate me you know I don't look at that as like oh like I like I get to like show up for this person. This is super cool. Like I'll kind of beat myself up about it. It's weird. But for me, when it comes to human design, it's like I always look at the really, really important part. I don't know if how many people are super into it, but if you go to myhumandesign.com, I want to say is the website, you can get your chart. It's for free. There's all these like weird hieroglyphic numbers like on like the left and right of the profile that look like super weird. Yeah. If you look at the first one, that's your sun gate. And then if you look at Mercury, just Google what the Mercury sign is. It's in the middle of the right side. That's your how you're supposed to like speak in business. So mine both are this gate called the gate of doubt. And so literally what I've made a career out of is like looking at systemic beliefs and doubting them and not in like a cynical way, but as like an analytical way and being able to like challenge the status quo. So I try to stay in that. I know when I'm staying in that messaging, it's good. If it goes beyond that, I'm super bitter. I'm getting weird. It's it's not going to hit very well. Interesting. I hadn't, I, I love human design and like all the different little like personality trait, like whatever quiz things. Mm -hmm. And I usually, I like to look at like all the things like they, it's so funny. Some of, the, of their things are so spot on. Like even like where I should be living, like the type of food that I should be eating. Like it's weird. It's very, mm -hmm. very weird. But I hadn't considered the gates in that regard. Like I do know, like if we go to astrology, like I know which houses and which like planets to look at when it comes to like money and dwells like for big business, looking at your Jupiter will tell you like which, what you should focus on and how you should deliver it. So like I'm starting to play with those things to see kind of what the best case is. But I, I find this stuff so interesting. It's also just like data points. Like Use it how you will. And if you find success with it, keep running with it. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like if it resonates with you and it's part of your toolkit that you need as an entrepreneur or as, you know, whatever roles that you're playing in life, like freaking do it. Um, For me, it's also not like a Bible. So it's not like I'm sitting here like, you know, if, if there is something that doesn't make sense, I try not to attach too much meaning to it, too, because I think a lot of the spiritual community or like emotional intelligence community will kind of overdrive sometimes and be like well this bad thing happened to me so much I must be out of flow and it's like no like what if that's just like a part of the arc that you're on 
right? And like, yeah. let's not give it too much. Sometimes I have to catch myself if I'm leaning too much into the spiritual stuff because I definitely yeah. am like super into that weird space and all that. I find it super fun and it's great to, again, use data points to play with it. And it's also just like, sometimes there are reasons for things happening and sometimes they're just straight up excuses. So, so long as you have the, like you said, the mindset to understand your internal dialogue and the patterns that you have, you should be pretty okay with choosing whatever data points and charts you want, whether it's astrology or literally the stock market to make the decisions you're going to make. Like, yeah, literally there's, yeah. So fun no, stuff. Figure out what works for you and run with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talking about like your niche and finding it, okay, we're doubting systems and things like that. Can we talk a little bit about AI? Because I think that's a huge thing that's going on right now. Like some people are doubting it. Some people think it's amazing. Like there's like bunking heads of both sides of like this is the best thing and the worst thing. So can you talk about that also? Because you're building an AI chatbot. And so I'd love to hear our AI model. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, right now it's a chatbot. So you're totally right. I think there's this doomsday and that happens every time that we reach like a new innovation step in our timeline or whatever the heck we're on. And so, I mean, that's obviously happened with radio moving to the Internet Even and the Internet. And yeah, they were like, saying the internet was going to be a fad. I'm like, now look where it is. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And so I think that we're in this next huge change and like going back to astrology and stuff like our Pluto has like moved into Aquarius this year. And that I was going to say, since... OK, yes, we're on the same spectrum. We told, yes, a lot of mm-hmm. things are shifting in our reality. Like what do they say? The 200 year whatever cycle or we're closing at all these like anyway, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. No, no, no. It's super important because it's like I think the last time that uh, our Pluto was in Aquarius was like 1777. So if you think about that, that was like a crazy freaking time. Um, So I think we're in like that next iteration of it. And so for me, if I was a job seeker or just an employee right now, I wouldn't focus too much on the I'm going to lose my job to AI conversation. One, because even if it is true, it doesn't really benefit you right now in this moment. Two, I don't believe so. One, because I don't think that the economy will ever allow the middle class to literally like not have a job altogether. I, I don't think that that's going to be smart for a lot of pl- political reasons, let alone mm-hmm. like humanitarian reasons. But I don't know if that's like the most motivating factors sometimes for like the bigger players. But I don't think that it's going to be this like, oh, I'm going to lose my job. I think that it'll just become more like AI harmonious at your work. So very similar to like people used to not do their jobs with laptops and Microsoft Word like that used to happen back in the day. And then we learned how to do that. I do think that AI will be a part of, of the work that you do. And so I'm actually writing a Substack right now that'll go out probably a week after, before this goes out about kind of like my 2024 predictions, but looking at AI, like being able to be like tool agnostic, I think is the right word to say with it, where it's like you're not looking at a specific tool because it's just we're at the boom of like AI startups. Like everyone has an AI company right now. A lot yep. of them won't make it. But actually looking at like, okay, what is generative AI versus stable diffusion and like being able to really understand like those different categories of AI. And being able to articulate how to use AI in a business to either save money or make more money is going to be super important with interviewing in the next two to five years. Yeah. As someone who uses AI, like in multiple different apps and stuff from like copywriting to content creation to podcast editing, I mean, literally, it has trimmed down the amount of work I need to do by like probably 90%. Yeah. And it's great, great work like i it's like I, the people who are doubting him like it's because you haven't used it like it like chat gpt is great as a free version but until you expose yourself to other things too or you understand how to actually do prompting like yes. prompt engineering like which is a huge thing too like you can't use chat gpt or any of these models unless they're specifically crafted a certain way like you would a google search does not work that way 
but it's super cool when you learn to train them the right way and use the right prompts. Like the stuff that they can pull out is insane. It's super cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it, everyone ought to spend, you know, a few minutes out of their week slowly learning this stuff. You know, I do get questions sometimes where it's like, well, how can I learn more on this? Like, there's not really going to be a college major for this right now. There's not really a lot. There's pro- there's going to be some AI creators out there that are going to help you and, and try to curate some knowledge for you. But it's just like, yeah, diving into that curiosity instead of looking at it and going like, oh, I'm not going to have a job in a little bit. Because it's like truly, even if that is the case, like what can you do about it right now? Not a whole ton. Yeah. So like, let's get out of that for a second. Yeah. But also like there's a ton of resources. Again, YouTube, Twitter, like yeah. you can find things to teach you. But also the really cool thing is like, this is your time to shine too if you're looking for, I don't know if you call it a lazy girl job, but like I was just reading an article last month. I think I put it in my newsletter. It was like, chat, if, you, if you're really good at prompt engineering, which again, it's new, there's no college degree, it's all teaching and you don't have to have coding background, nothing. It's paying upwards of 300K a year. Like it's insane. So like, don't complain, like run, take advantage of it. Don't be afraid of it. Yes, exactly. And I, I, there's a lot of unnecessary work, which we talk about a lot, obviously, in corporate America. And I think that AI would be a really great alternative and solution for that as well. And so I think that we could really achieve these like greater things that we want, like four-day work weeks or more work-life balance if we are more AI-friendly in the workplace. I understand, though, like a lot of times I've tried to make, I, I do have like an AI guide right now for people who are interested in using that in their in their full-time job right now. But the issue with it is like, they may not be able to use it because they can't bring like proprietary information into these AI models. So like we have to be able to figure that out. There's like there's quite a few things for b- before we allow this like mass um, adoption, but there's a lot of hurdles. And also like recruiting is using AI a lot right now, both on the job seeking and on the employer side. So that's been like a crazy space race between the two of like, you know, HR tools will get better with AI and then job seeker tools will get better to like signal that AI and it's just turning into this like crazy space race. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if employers created people Well, they they brought people in to actually build out models within their organization to then either they're going to purchase them from people who've made them to use for themselves or they're going to deploy people to build them themselves versus using another product that's online for the proprietary information problems and they like without going through that, like just doing it themselves, especially like we talked about, like if you pay for GPT, like to access 4.0, like you can literally go in and create GPTs specifically for what you need. So it's just like if I was an employer, I would do that. But like, you know, I, I get it. There's a lot of there's a lot of sensitive information that you can't necessarily divulge. Well, and they're also running into an implementation issue right now because I mean, I've, I've been speaking to a lot of HR people in general. And they're so short staffed that even when they do want to roll out like a new internal tool, like absolutely no one can do it. And they also can't, you know, put in the right resources for training and development on these things. So it's like there's a lot to figure out before it actually gets mass adopted. Yeah, it's insane, though, that people are short staffed because I feel like people want to work and they there are a lot of people are unemployed. It's just like this weird thing that's going on. You're like, okay, I don't are you. (laughs) That's a whole nother conversation, but. Clearly, there's a breakdown in the system and the entire system is crumbling and we're rebuilding it as it breaks down or something. I know. Did you see that one article where it was like uh, executives are complaining that um, people aren't leaving their jobs enough? Like there's not enough like employee attrition. I saw this like crazy headline recently and I was like, choose one, like choose one. Yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like kind of like they're like, <laughs> yeah, choose the side you're on because you're pissed about everything. Apparently, <laughs> nothing is good enough. Exactly annoying 
So what are you most excited about for the future? Like what's going on in your world? What's something that you're just like really geeked about or you're looking forward to for 2024? Honestly, it's been a lot of AI, a lot of AI thinking, looking at other stuff too. I don't know. That's a good question. Like I am building out really like this 2024 forecast. And I do think that career portfolios will be massively adopted. I think that we are on this verge of a death of, of the nine to five, hopefully. And I know that a lot of people believe for whatever reason, that freelancing is not accessible. It's really not. Like the only thing, you know, people will say like, oh, I don't want to set up my own LLC. Well, every time that you start a new job, you have to do paperwork anyways for your taxes. It's like it's kind of the same stupid process. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to save for taxes. It's like, well, the employer is already kind of doing that for you. They always take out too much so you don't actually have the time value of that money anyways. So it's like there's these and there's all these apps on too that'll save for you for taxes and stuff. So it's like looking at all these like archaic objections to starting freelancing um i i do think that there's a lot of solutions today so i want to be like super clear about that sometimes because i know especially when i talk on on my accounts about freelancing people are like yeah well that's easy for you to say i think that freelancing will be a huge interest for a lot of people that are quote-unquote career driven i think also there will be like this new normalization of this other bucket of people that just aren't careerists and being okay with that right so even if i'm hiring like in my businesses today it's like i'm looking at these company i'm looking at these different roles and being like okay, this is more of like a performance-based role. Like I need someone that's actually going to like care, right? They're going to get profit share or something like that, right? Like I'm not going to put them in this like weird salary box. Whereas like someone where it's like, I just need them to do the tasks. They understand that they're doing those tasks and they're happy with it. They get like some type of like rate, right? So it's like, I think that companies will start looking at that too. This is, and this is like only for the companies I think that are more progressive. I think that when we're, we're looking at like the entire market of employers actually adopting these ideologies, I don't know if that'll ever happen and it'll probably take a while. But I do think freelancing is going to be the cool thing next year. I agree. And also, I think people are reconsidering just the traditional things that come with the job, right? Like even insurance. I know so many people who are like, I don't want to play the insurance game anymore. Like I would just rather pay cash, like which is mm -hmm. like even a wild concept because I know so many people who they just stay in the job because of insurance. So we we got a lot of systems that are crumbling right now and moving around. But as someone who also does freelance work, it's extremely exciting to literally just get in it and do what I need to do and leave. There's no other BS or like they don't, there's the boundaries are already set in place because it's like we've made the clear distinction of what I'm doing and what I'm not. This is the pay, cool, like that's it. But, you know, to each their own, people are, some people are never going to leave the nine to five. They just want to stay within it. And some people are going to embrace the freelance and like, all the amazing things that happen because of that, like more self-expression and like, honestly, tax write-offs are great. Like you can, you mean I could just like, it's anyway, the U S yeah. was built for people in business. So. Yeah, exactly. Like there is a lot of incentives to it. And I do think, yeah, even like the healthcare conversation, buying healthcare as a self-employed person over the age of like 25 freaking sucks. There's no deals. It's super expensive, but it's like, I, I think a lot of people that are, haven't freelanced before and are in a nine to five, they don't understand that you charge more per hour when you're freelancing for a lot of different reasons because of the tax situation, because of your your operating expenses, because of yep. your, you know, including your your healthcare. So it's like, I think people need to understand that too. So it's like, okay, if you're if you're getting paid 100K at Google to do a data insights job, if you freelance that, you would you could easily make two to three times that a year. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Like I'm making what I'm making in corporate now for probably a 10th, like literally a fraction of the time that I would spend like yeah. actually working. It's crazy. But again, exactly. like until you know, you don't know. But 
We're here to tell you it's possible. So for the future of lazy girl jobs and the anti-work girl boss, like I think you, you said you have a YouTube channel that you want to build out. Is that going to be focused on AI or is it just like generally speaking, like everything anti-work girl boss and things like that? Ooh, generally speaking, we are doing an AI series next year, which I'm super excited about where it's like totally done for you. This is like, you know... An example of what a video would be like is like everyone's talking about ChatGPT now. Here's like literally the cut and dry of like how to do it. And, you know, it's super accessible, especially for women who feel like they feel uncomfortable asking people about tech or they don't want to come off stupid or, you know, be berated. It's a super safe conversation to all the way of like, yeah, my podcast and having exciting guests on being able to have a little bit more of a long form conversation about things because... I really only ramble on TikTok for like 90 seconds. And so like while that was super great to like get on Fox News and get Kevin O'Leary's attention and like all that stuff, it's I think it it pins me too much on one side and creates this like duality where there's so much that I do want to say. I I just think YouTube's the way to go. So it'll be able to actually like open up the hood on a lot of stuff that people have been asking for for a long time. Yeah. Plus, also, I will say as someone I'm also getting into YouTube next year. I like I'm so excited to finally be seen as not the crazy millennial who quit her job. Like, I'm an educated person. Look at all the shit that I know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's super freeing. And it's like, not that you really own the platform, but I think it's a little bit more stable than like TikTok because I just feel like sometimes we're stuck like making a buffoon out of ourselves and then we get like a thousand views and we're like, cool. So I think YouTube's like a little bit better of a situation for just being able to like reach your audience and like actually yeah. have a conversation with them so that they're not like missing anything. Agreed. So yeah, that's that's what's going on. And then I have my TEDx talk May 1st, which is super exciting. It's going to be actually. I saw my... the behind the scenes the day you were leaving. I was like, yeah. are you like shitting your pants? Or are you like also really excited? Like, what's the feeling with that? You know, it's my first spe- like big speaking engagement. So I would say like that's probably the craziest part, but it's kind of good and bad. It's good and bad at the same time because it's bad in the way I guess like, you know, it's a big risk, but good in the sense of like I don't have any other like baggage of, of speaking, you know. So I think that I'm just really going into it with like this. Hopefully like there's some beginner's luck on my side with it. But I'm mm-hmm. super excited and, and it's my old high school teacher. He's like he's the organizer of the chapter and he invited me to it. So it's like this real like sur- it's like this really cool moment of just like being able to reflect on everything nostalgia of like oh my god do you remember when you taught me and now i'm here like doing this thing like yeah yeah (laughs) i saw my school district like actually put out like a um like an article on like me speaking and stuff and i was like that's crazy i'm just like on my school district website like that was so cool so yeah, I'm super excited. And then, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of exciting stuff. I'm launching a membership next year, so that'll be able to actually, like, protect some really raw conversations that I want to have with people. I'm really grateful always for the people that want to be really raw with me in the DMs and the comments and stuff. But I think that there just needs to be an added layer, especially when we're talking about, like, quiet quitting, which if, you know, if people that don't understand that, they could think that it's just a bunch of women talking about how they want to, like, not work or whatever. And I, we don't really need to, like, hear that, like, outside conversations and like feedback sometimes you know so I'm really excited for that closer intimacy with my following as well dude you have so much shit going on next year that's so exciting there's a lot yeah there is a lot but I'm I'm super excited I know that you like also totally get it too of just like kind of what we were talking about where it's like you always have all these ideas you want to serve your community and it's like all right how do we get it all done the cool thing though is that I've like over the past three years when I look at like I have a what I call like my dumping ground (laughs) I probably should name that a little differently 
But it's just like a Trello board. And I just like every time I have an idea for something, whether it's like a newsletter or like this sort of like digital product or like whatever it is, I put it in there. And it's really interesting how like I'll forget about that because I'll focus on like my notion board, which is where all my shit lists or like everything else. And I go back there. I'm like, oh, I did this. And I did like and I didn't even realize that I planted the seed a year or two years, Mm -hmm. however long it was. So it does. It will happen. It's just sometimes the timing sure we'll say the cosmos align it in such a way <laughs> to uh, have it come out the perfect time and it's always been the perfect time yeah exactly and i i don't know are you doing any like visualization or any like goal setting next year oh for sure i mean yeah. i i have a practice of every morning before i get out of bed i spend about a minute visualizing stuff but in terms of goal setting i this is the first year i always do goal setting but this is the first year where i actually did all my goals in every single wow. quarter Every single month and every single week, I know exactly what I'm doing. Let's say roughly, right? Not everything is going to go smoothly, but like to get me to the goals that I want, both in the physical realm, spiritual realm, my actual physical environment, I want to move, money, obviously, like all those things. So I'm like, I'm trying to plan it so I don't fail, but of course, being fluid with my goals. So, you know, I'll report back next year and let you know if it worked. We're shooting really big next year, so. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, yeah, it's always the best. Yeah, I want to do some type of like vision board content for for people just to to get in the spirit of everything of next year. But yeah, 2024, I feel like I think it's going to be something big. Yeah, it's going to be very prosperous. That's the way I'm feeling. It's going to be very exciting. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I just want to ask you one final question. So Mm -hmm. I always wrap this up for every episode, but if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Hmm. You'll definitely make money questioning authority. Let's just like hold off on it a little bit and like be a kid for a second. Um, not that I was like this like horrible person that was like difficult to work with or anything like that. But I always like if, if someone told me a new rule, I needed to know why. And if you didn't give me the why, I would be like rejected. Absolutely not. But I think like for people who can't relate to that, at least they can relate to like whatever that thing is that like people either like rub the wrong way with you about when you're growing up or something that you hate about yourself it's it's honestly probably the thing that you should be spending the most attention to there's usually a gift in that yeah i can i can attest to that yeah i think i'm a little older than you so yeah i can agree i can agree to that but um thank you so much for coming on this was so great this was so hearty and full of great nuggets and knowledge I'll put all your uh, your details of where people can find you and follow you in the show notes. So thank you again. And I'll, you know, enjoy your holidays. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad we got to do this.